Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you slow down and live in rhythm with Jesus. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and this month we are focusing on a concept called rhythm. At Sequel, we like to say that rhythm is the disciplined, unhurried, effortless connection to Jesus that produces intimacy with him. And in that, we find a life that is free and light. If you're curious about how to develop that effortless connection to Jesus, I want to invite you to join us at thedailyrhythm.org, where every month we explore a spiritual practice of our faith, like learning to settle, prayer, or practicing the Sabbath. And our hope is that this leads you to better spiritual rhythm. The Daily Rhythm is a free resource just for you, and you guessed it, this month's focus is rhythm. I recently sat down with Tim Bolke. Tim is the founder and executive director of Harbor Ministries, a nonprofit that helps leaders learn how to live with rhythm, leave a legacy, and finish this spiritual race well. Their experiences, Rhythm and 20, Rogue, Revel, and Rooted, are transformative experiences for leaders who desire to lead well, not just now, but for a lifetime. Now, you may know Tim from their hit podcast called Space or Tim's book called Thin Places. Tim is a friend of mine and a mentor, and I met him actually at one of their experiences called Rhythm in 20 almost a decade ago. That experience completely changed my relationship with Jesus, and honestly, it changed my life. This conversation was so rich, so life-giving as a follower of Jesus, and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. I won't delay it any longer. Here is my conversation with Tim Bolke. I can't tell you how many people we have told about space. And the true story, uh, we're interviewing somebody in a couple weeks. She's got an amazing story. Uh, her name's Rachel. For those of you listening, you, you want to hear this story. But uh, we threw a surprise party for my wife. I won't say the age uh, on a public podcast, lest she kill me. But uh, Rachel showed up, and uh, we, were, we were actually talking about you, Tim. And, um, and she said, Sequel and Space have literally gotten me through this last season. Those are her words. Now, what she really means is Jesus has got, we, like everyone yeah, that we know. Them. Sure. But my point is, our whole team every time space comes how we listen to it i have listened to terrifically alive four times probably maybe more um what a resource that is yeah yeah thanks yeah it's and that's just taking a step just like you're doing with this and seeing what god does with it i mean really that came out of the heart of just how can we encourage people when covid hit last year and thinking those people that you know, have been through, which one of our leadership events expanded well beyond that. And man, God just speaks to those words. He's going to do that through this podcast too. Can't wait to hear the stories on this too. It's been fun. You've been a mentor to me for seven or eight years in, in different ways. And I have experienced God move through you in my life in a profound way and uh, been deeply impactful for me. And uh, so I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about your story today. Um, so I'd love to know, you know, how did Harbor Ministries get started? Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, uh, 
part of a lifelong, you know, kind of journey and theme of my life was uh, investing radically in people. Kind of, a, it's been a theme since I was very young, um, and carried throughout. I wanted to just do that differently and, and really invest deeply in people and create experiences, get them along for the ride. Most of those were fun over the years, but I knew there was something there that was deeper. And as I began to lead. Uh, came into leadership at a large ministry organization, Youth for Christ, and oversaw kind of multiple areas of that uh, ministry. Got a chance to do that, and what I would say how it came really came about was uh, several years into leading that Youth for Christ chapter. It was really a, a, the best of times. We had forty-five uh, salaried staff, hundreds of volunteers, thousands of kids a week. One of the larger youth ministry organizations in the Midwest, and. And uh, just amazing team, great times. But as a leader in the midst of leading a very large organization, there were some cracks in the armor that began to occur. The launch of Harbor came out of both success and struggle, if that makes sense, and and some failure. You know, honestly, I mean, we, there was cracks in the armor that began to show for me as a leader that no one knew about. I didn't let anybody in. It's a perfect storm formed in my life um, mm. of, of uh, fatigue and uh, disappointment and boredom. And all in different ways, it kind of collided. So uh, fatigue, because, you know, leading that large organization and and uh, fundraising millions, you know, that dollars. And so just got tiring, bored, because I'd done it for almost 20 years at this point. And and I uh, could do it with my eyes closed. I was kind of bored. And, and, and then just disappointed, disappointed in kind of where my life was turning out. Not quite what I thought I was going to be due, since there was something more. Disappointing God, honestly, um, had went through loss of a lot of people that were close to me at that time and just wondered where he was at in the journey. All those things collided and, and kind of created a, a bit of a meltdown. But out of that hard moment came this idea of creating a harbor, um, a place where other leaders could come in who may be struggling. I'm just curious, you know, so we don't just arrive at I'm exhausted. I'm burned out all at yeah. once. You know, the, the, like you said, the cracks in the armor, they just start to show themselves over time. At, at what point did you know, Hey, something's really wrong. Yeah. It was a lot of years into it. I mean, yeah. And I probably didn't, you know, say that in the best of order there, but I did work with that organization 20 years. I, I taught and coached out of family, three young kids. I mean, really great times, you know, and, uh, in a lot of ways that, ministry role fit me of leading sure, people, yeah. investing in them, taking them on journeys, you know, investing in kids, very passionate about the mission of Youth of Christ at that time and mm-hmm. and uh, loved investing in young leaders. So that was really good. But it would have been probably 13 or 14 years in. So I was in my early 40s and uh, when things started to kind of get harder as a leader yeah. and yeah, some of those dynamics started to happen. Did um, did other people see it in you, or what? You know, leadership can be lonely. That's the reason I ask. And yeah. so, a lot of times, we don't let people in. Did anybody see it in you, or is this something you you just kind of knew? Yeah, you know, uh, I would say no. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, no one saw that coming, and including me in a lot of ways. I mean, it kind of caught up to me and hit. Uh, you know, at the time, and when I talk with, uh, you know, men that come into our leadership events, talk about that as a, as a leader who's in a visible spot, 
who do you talk to? I mean, those kind of organizations, uh, especially ministry, nonprofits, business do. I mean, who do you talk to? I mean, you have a board of directors. Um, if you're really starting to struggle, you know, at that time I was married, had three, you know, younger kids and my wife that needs to be strong, keep rolling, right. you know, and, and, uh, so it was hard, you know, to invite that in. We were fundraising to, to tell, you know, some people you're fundraising for, by the way, you know, I might be in trouble here. I'm, I'm not doing so good. Please <laughs> write a check. So <laughs> yeah, that's tough stuff. And then a young staff that's wanting to take the mountain with you every day, you know, you want to create an image. And so what I stopped doing was getting safe people, welcoming them in and really sharing the heart of where I was at. Mm. And, and I think leadership, you said it, it, it can be a, that's a, one of the marks leadership is it's a lonely spot yeah well and it's so no matter what you do yeah and it's so interesting now you know we're not in life daily with each other but i know enough about what's going on with harbor you've got this beautiful community of people around you where it's it's like night and day difference from that season yeah which, yeah. Is, which is beautiful um let me ask you this so if you think back to maybe the five years leading up to your burnout because yeah. i know there's this moment in ecuador i want to i do want to get to that but yeah Think about the five years leading up to that. Describe your spiritual rhythm. Yeah, I think uh, I always had a sense, uh, even through some of the struggles, that there was moments, times where I needed to get away, to quiet down, to really seek God differently. That's always kind of been a part of my journey, um, more than just a you know, quiet time in the morning. I think people are familiar with that terminology and, you know, important stuff of reading the Bible and praying and doing those kind of things. But more than that, um, of really seeking God for extended amounts of time. So it's always been a part of it, but I would say that that part of my journey started to fade as I got busier. Uh, there were some, some rhythms and some regular practices that I knew were important. That I stopped doing, mm -hmm. um, and kind of solitude, quiet, and seeking God was one of those. Another one that people don't think of as spiritual rhythms play. And, and I think God gives us a heart to enjoy life and, and uh, you know, throw ourselves at things that really give us life. And right. I stopped, slowed down on playing. I worked more, played less. Um, and all those things started to come out of whack over, a, you know, a series of years. It just began to build. Eventually, there's going to be a cracking point for anybody who starts to break down on that. Right. So you, you resign and then I've heard you tell this story before, but you, you know, other people got to hear it. You resign and you get asked ironically to go to Ecuador. Yeah. <laughs> tell who asked you, why did you go to Ecuador? Tell us the irony in that. Yeah. So I, I did resign from, uh, the youth for Christ position, but accepted a job as a senior leader at a large church at the same time, thinking that would be the answer to my fatigue and uh, boredom <laughs> that I'd get a new challenge. Right? Oh, and so they'd been pursuing me for a long time. Yeah. And I, and I find that, oh, yeah, that's it, you know, sure. you got to get paid well, got to get a little different thing. So I, I took that job. That's actually when I had the meltdown very freshly into okay. that job. And in the midst of kind of hitting that crash, and I'm sure those guys uh, that have pursued me for so long are like, sweet, high, or awesome, you know, because <laughs> right. I, I did hit, a, hit, a, hit yeah. the rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, but in the midst of that, I had a friend that was a missionary down in Quito, Ecuador, and he had called me. And, and the real roots and the start of Harbor Ministry was a dream I had uh, 
probably a decade before this, that there it was actually a dream. I mean, of a, a crisis. There was a crisis in leaders. Families were falling by the wayside. Organizations were falling by the wayside. And, and there was this key of getting people into this harbor. And that dream kind of started to define me. But I, you know, cast it away as a dream. But I did tell a few people about it back when I had it. Crazy thing. And this missionary called me and said, hey, there's a guy down here in Quito that's pulling together leaders of youth ministries from around the world into a conference. And he's kind of got a vision similar to that dream you told me about years ago. I think you ought to talk to this guy. So just out of nowhere and uh, did call him. We talked um, unexplainably. He invites me to come down and be the keynote, the finished speaker to his conference, to these leaders of organizations. And one of the ironies of all at a time when I was, you know, in full burnout mode and wondering if I could even continue on with God in that moment, he asked me to speak to these guys on what it takes to finish well. And yeah, I remember <laughs> dropping the phone, just like, oh, only God has that kind of sense of humor. You're probably that's thinking, not where I was at. Yeah, you're probably thinking, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to finish well at the moment. Uh, absolutely. Not, not only thinking, but wondering very seriously if I was going to. And, uh, but that's, you know, where the conversation went. It was right up my alley of, of leaders of youth ministries and mm. My wife prodded me to get down there and we went down and and it was really in the midst of that journey with those 30 or so leaders together from probably 15 or 20 countries and uh, brought a message of what it looks like to finish well and how to develop the kind of rhythms in our lives that allow us to do it. And it was just in that moment, God said, your time's now, it's time to launch that dream. And, hmm. and it really came out of that experience. So I think, uh, you know, God bursts many great things out of talented, passionate people that are really pursuing him. And he also bursts beauty out of hard things and people that are tired, more disillusioned, disappointed. There, That might be the moment mm -hmm. where God wakes us up and said, it's time, you know, time to take that next step. That's what happened to me anyway. <laughs> I'm thinking of what you said in that moment to those leaders from all these countries. You're talking about rhythm and finishing well. And I mean, do you remember like these are the two or three things that I shared. Cause sometimes when I say some things out loud, it's like, I'm almost processing my thoughts and my heart in front of people. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe that was a little bit of what was happening in that moment. Yeah. I think so. I, I, yeah, I remember a few things, but one, one in particular, um, was why I invited them to remember that I think people that stay the course that, ultimately finish well or remember what God's done in their lives. They don't forget. And when the times get hard and struggles come and, and, and the opportunity, the great opportunities and the hard times when all they come, the thing that one of the things that can keep us centered moving is great memories. And, and we shared through uh, Psalm 73 and the ASAS, author of that song who was struggling and doubting God and wondering and, and the psalm changes in the middle and he says I remember mm -hmm. I remember what God did and so I invited these guys to share some stories I remember that very well of kind of moments that God showed up it became a defining moment for those guys I think interesting that you asked that question I say that because I actually spoke at that particular event 10 years later uh, which was last year and uh, there was two guys there that were there, and they they remembered 
that talk and asked me about it and retold some stories of what the guys had shared in that moment. So it was just one of those God kind of moments yeah. that showed up. And that was part, that was a big part of what we talked about. I think that's real important for others, you know, and people that are listening to this podcast is, yeah, strength and courage comes as we remember God's with us every step of the way. And in those moments of times when he did that show up in our stories. So I remember the first time we met, uh, I don't, do you remember the, do you remember me walking into rhythm at all? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I have been so grateful for, uh, the vision God gave you to start Harbor. And, uh, I know that that moment in Ecuador is a piece of it, but I found myself all those years later, I don't even know how many years later it was since you had that, you know, that moment, like I'm going in with Ben and the guys and, and so forth. But I found myself in Estes, uh, at rhythm in 20, I think it was group five in the same spot you were at for different yeah. circumstances, exhausted, worn out. Uh, I remember telling my wife, this is it. Uh, th this is like God's either going to show up and I'm going to figure this thing out or I think I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do this thing anymore called Jesus. And, um, yeah. you know, I think it was the second morning, uh, you, we did Lectio together for, and I had never done Lectio together and it was on Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 yeah. and never heard it in the message before. And in that quiet moment, it, it, it literally changed everything about my life. Mm. Um, I don't know if you, you know, I, I don't know who's observing in that moment, yeah. uh, leaders and whatnot. All I do, all I know, remember thinking is I think I'm going to cry hysterically. <laughs> and if it weren't for the other 20 guys in the room, you know, in my head, <laughs> it, jet, it, it would have, and I was just trying to hang on and keep it together. But yeah, what, what I learned in that moment from you guys is there, there's this word rhythm is so interesting and compelling. And I, I think yeah. often our team, when we talk about Matthew 11, 20, 30 all the time, but what is it about these rhythms of grace that Jesus talks about that is maybe so different than how we actually experience real life? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, where my mind goes as you say that is just the model of what he laid out. Um, he had a, is you read through the gospels and if you slow it down and really read it uh, knowing you know this is a snapshot you know of those three years for sure. one thing but, yeah. but especially particularly concerning that everybody who walked with jesus through those ministry times knew that that he did this differently <laughs> like he would step away uh, for quiet solitude at all kinds of different points in his journey and we could talk about multiple examples of that during the crisis you know and his good friend John the Baptist would be headed, you know, a crisis of time, of time and maybe in his own journey. And what's the first thing we see in scripture he does after he hears that news off to the mountain. Great. Right. Right. And so he does it after success. I mean, sermon on the Mount, the press of people in a ministry world, and especially in this culture in America, how we do things when there's momentum and things are on a roll, everything screams at us to keep rolling. I mean, keep taking the next step, keep running fast. And I understand it because I've done it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm kind of in the midst of it now. Mm -hmm. as we're, our ministry's gaining a lot of momentum. Starting, How do I figure out how to get a good pace? Everything says keep going. But what happens right after that? Certainly on the mount. Disciples can't find him. <laughs> figure out. He's gone to solitude. He says, I'll see you in the morning. 
Yeah, I mean, and that happens again and again after success, after struggle, when he's looking for guidance and questions. I mean, it is just a different model of how to live, do life, work, ministry, family, all of it. And you know, I think it, it rhythm's the right word. I mean, balance is almost impossible for us to keep. But I think, in my mind, it, it does, it's not possible. How do you keep everything, yeah. you know, balanced? But there's a rhythm. There's a season for business and there's a season for quiet and and uh, those come at times where people have a good sense for that now when they need to step away and make do this differently yeah i think about rhythm in the sense of like an um an intimate organic connection uh and there's got to be discipline to it because if you don't have any sense of discipline to your connection with jesus it just it won't happen we're like you said we're too busy but yeah. I, I all, often think about the word Dallas Willard used to use, uh, unhurried. Yeah. And, and that really resonates with what you're saying about space and solitude, silence. You, you've got to get to a place where we can have an unhurried pace with Jesus so that we can hear yeah. his voice. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think a very strong word. And then, then the other one I we talk about a lot is we call this idea of... of uh, solitude and quiet and listen to God's space and, mm-hmm. and finding that, that there's got to be a practice of that too. I mean, can't force God to move in the moments that we want him to. I think we got to have a practice. And, and as you say, it is a discipline, a discipline that's not talked about at all, the discipline of unplugging, quieting down, unplugging the noise and listening. Yeah. Sometimes there's something there and sometimes there's not, but the practice of that brings rest and an unhurried pace. I think is a really, really good word for sure. Why do you think people don't create space to be still and, and quiet down and listen to the in- interior workings of their, of their yeah. soul? It's, it's hard work for one thing. I mean, it really is hard, uncomfortable. You wonder what you're doing and you know, uh, is it a waste of time? I think, I think that's, what a lot of people feel as I wrestle through it with people is it feels like a waste, you know, this is not productive. And I think my, my reaction to that. And when we have those kind of conversations is in the practice of this over the long haul is when it will be confirmed that it's actually gives you strength and clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, my idea of space, quiet, solitude, it isn't emptying the mind. It's filling the mind with, God's word, his practice, his pursuit of him and who that is, you know, and then if that, if that makes sense yeah. and being in that kind of presence with him very intentionally, um, that's, that's the difference. So what are some of the things that you do? You know, we all have different rhythms to our life, different seasons of stress and, you know, and moments where we can kind of turn it off. Give us a little yeah. picture into what your rhythm looks like. You know, you lead this growing organization. Um, you know, you've you've got kids and leaders and people who depend on you. What's your rhythm look like? Yeah. Yeah. And it and that's why rhythm's the right work because there's I'm in a stretch right now where we've had several events over um several groups of guys. We do all our events in Colorado or California, a lot going on, and it's it's a pace. So in that particular really busy season where things are happening i i tag time on to the end or the beginning of those events uh, mostly at the end something to help me um 
kind of relax. We just finished an event out in Colorado. This isn't going to sound like, uh, boy, that's really hard work to people, but yeah. I stayed an extra day and fished my, well, I fished myself with a guide, you know, and it's like, but that helped me unwind, get on the river. We take some people to do that in the midst of our leadership experiences. But for me, I needed to do it kind of on my own, just get on the water and, and relax. Um, but that's part so of the, that's part of the play. The beginning or end of those. What's that? That's part of the play, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah, uh, also that. And it, it, I always find for me, it opens up my soul to some of the deeper longings in my heart or some of the things that are going on beneath the surface, because it's almost like you let your guard down when yep. you take time to have some fun and to play and all of a sudden you can become more present to the moment. It, I think it's a For sure. super overlooked part of rhythm. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you and very critical. So given actually myself time and permission to do that mm-hmm. uh-huh. and in a busy season, still doing that on the tag end, you know, like I said, coming in soon to a time where it'll slow a little bit, I hope for a while, uh, be a more regular kind of daily shorter, you know, practice of really focusing on scripture and that kind of thing, but also having quiet. And uh, for me, you know, one thing I love doing is biking. So as long as the weather holds up in Nebraska here, man, <laughs> I mean, it's right, right. really freeze me out. I mean, that's going to be, I'm going to be on my bike several times a week when I'm here because I just think better and yeah. breathe deeper when I'm doing that. And everybody's got something like that. I think making a commitment. Yeah. Giving ourselves permission. That's okay. It's yeah. good to that, do that. that yeah. That's really good. So when we say the word rhythm, they probably mean that we're thinking about a quiet time. Right. And it can be that. Like I'm I'm not uh debating that or or putting that down in any sort of way. Cause I spend time with Jesus almost every morning and a lot of people call that a quiet time, but give me the difference between what we're talking about being in rhythm with Jesus and attending to the needs of the soul versus just the, the spiritual, I mean, discipline practice of just like, I get up and I read my scripture and I do a yeah. devotion, I pray, and then I go out with my day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in those gaps and those extended times of space, as we call it, solitude and quiet and then one that's why it needs to be longer than a 15 minutes or a 10 minute because it takes most of those 15 minutes to get the adrenaline out you know and and to kind of be able to get to a place so hoping this is answering your question but i think yeah one of the differences is it's quieting down it's unplugging exterior noise it's kind of getting into a calming presence i do some repetitive reading of scripture you know, to, to do that quiet down. And then, then I just develop a practice of listening and uh, a practical thing with that, that I've invited people into, <laughs> excuse me, is in the midst of those quiet. And if you have a couple hours, even in the midst of that quiet to really be seeking God and thinking about it, I look back, you know, look forward and invite people to look back and forward, look back over the last week or two or months since you did this, you know, what's been going on? What have I been thinking about? What have I been struggling with? What's some of the questions and process it a little bit. I always have my journal and uh, certainly invite that others to do the same and, and process that question. And then as I think about the next month or the week, next week, what do I want to be thinking about? God, what's on your heart? What's on my heart? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I need to attend to? So, so what happens you know, uh, I'm thinking of the story of Elisha, God doesn't speak in the, you know, yeah. in the loud stuff he speaks in the still small 
quiet whisper of your soul. You get quiet, you create that space for a couple hours, you shut off the phone. You look, you look back, I do this in my own life, and then you look forward, and, but God whispers something to you. You know, uh, what do you do with that? Yeah. Um, I write it down. Yeah, for starters. I mean, the market. So I don't forget. And right. so if there is a sense or a leading or a moment, um, that's point one. I think the, I think we have an enemy that's absolutely one of his tactics against us is one, keep us busy and two, to cause us to forget. So if there is those quiet moments and a whisper and a sense of direction and something we need and sense maybe we need to attend to, we got, we got to figure out how to not forget it. And the only way I know how to do that is write it, Absolutely. you know, write it down. So I have a system for that. So when those moments come, that also gives you a chance for, you know, if I've sent some leading on something, I could call you, Tim, you know, you know, my heart on different stuff. It's like, what do you think of this right. at, at that point? Then you can get some feedback on that. And am I on right track? Is it lined with scripture? Is it, you know, et cetera. Right. So there's a practical side to that. And, and so I do a lot of journaling. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That passage you were talking about, I was just thinking about it. You know, it's the message there. It talks about Elijah's at the end of his rope. He's, he's burned out in a classic way. Like you and I have just been talking about it. it's over, you know, and then he, he's, you know, he's like doing all this great stuff and it's like, they're killing off the prophets. And yeah, he, he said, now he says, take me. me. <laughs> I'm yeah, ready. Yeah. yeah. This, this bad thing's over. And what's he directed to do? Let's go stand on the mountain. I mean, for, go stand on the mountain and God's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. He's not in the wind. Right. He's in a gentle, quiet whisper. And we don't know how long he was standing on that mountain. My guess is it's longer than 10 minutes um, for that whole narrative to play out. It's a long time, you know, but God was in the quiet. You know, how do you listen to a quiet whisper like you said? I mean, how do you know? Well, that's, that's, that's the idea of space, having a regular rhythm to it, a practice of it. So you get to yeah. learn to hear that voice, I think. Yeah, that's why I think that, you know, that, going back to that moment, Nestus, when I just uh, sort of fell apart, I remember in that moment, Jesus saying, Tim, there's a better way. And I love the way Eugene Peterson says that in the message, you know, you tired, worn out, come to me, get away with me. Yeah. And these words, you will recover your life. My life <laughs> was a disaster. And then it's like, he gives us the playbook, walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it. We're in the unforced rhythms of grace. And then he says at the end, what's on the other side is free and light. And, um, yeah. you know, that's why, this, want, yeah. that's why this podcast yeah. is named free and light yeah, that's and awesome. because it's a, it's like Jesus has given us a roadmap, but it is so, uh, it's the opposite of what we think in culture. We think work harder, get bigger, focus on the doing. And we forget about our interior world. We forget about the being, we forget about space and quiet and, um, and it's like Jesus saying, Hey, uh, see this tired and exhaustion It's not going to work the way you're doing it. And your story, my story, countless other stories of burnout. I mean, how many, how many men and women have been through Harbor now? 600? Yeah. yeah. 650 probably now. Yeah. Right. Three year, year. Yeah. And if, if all these groups are anything like my groups, we're all coming in with the same story. Yeah. Doubting my faith, exhausted. This can't be what I signed up for. And Jesus is saying there's a better way, but it, it takes rhythm. 
It takes the unhurried pursuit of Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Free and Light. If you want to find out more about Tim Bolke and what he is up to at Harbor Ministries, go to harborministries.com. And for an amazing free resource to help you in your pursuit of Jesus, be sure to download the Space Podcast. Until next time, seek well. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. At Sequel, we believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.